This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Police in Britain have a conundrum on their hands. If a crime happens in the metaverse, do they treat it like a real-life crime? Well, now they are actually being faced with this issue, so I'm bringing in a lawyer to find out what exactly needs to be done in this circumstance. Plus, I know you've all heard about Stanley Cups. The craze is real. How it happened, what's happening there. We're getting into all of it, plus so much more. I'll kick the morning starts right now. Hello, friends. Family, esteemed colleagues, welcome to Outkick the Morning. I'm Charlie Arnold. And a little bit of background on me, some things you might not know, is, is at one point in my life, I wanted to go into law. I actually went to American University hoping to double major with broadcast journalism and political science because I was like, I'm going to be either a lawyer or the press secretary, none of which have happened up to this point. But point is, I started studying for the LSATs at one point in my career. And I quickly decided to push that aside to continue my path in television. But law has always been something that has really piqued my interest. So, you know, being that I don't have my law degree, I, I still have a big passion for true crime. It's, it's still a big passion for the law. And today, there are several things that have come across my desk that have really piqued my interest, all dealing with things in the field of law. So, with that, everyone, I wanted to welcome you into Charlie's Court. Uh, I do not have a gavel, but we are going to be getting into the latest and greatest in the world of crime and law today. And I'm also going to be bringing in lawyer Lexi Rigdon to help me get to the bottom of several things. Uh, court is now in session. The first thing that I want to get to, ladies and gentlemen, uh, back in the day, you know, a little trip down memory lane, if you will. Back in the day, we used to go outside. We used to see our friends when we wanted to have fun. We didn't shut ourselves indoors. Uh, we did not park ourselves in front of our phones or in front of a TV monitor. We did, we did watch some TV, but not to the extent that I'm talking about now. We weren't putting on these masks, these virtual reality headsets, if you will, and that's where we would see our friends. That was not happening, but that is what's happening these days. So while I think we can all realize how detrimental this can be for a person's social skills, one thing that we do not think about is that the fact that this could be unsafe, right? You're indoors, you're in your parents' house in most cases for these young kids. Uh, but actually, what we're running into right now is something that has come to the forefront because for the first time ever, happening in Great Britain right now, police have a new type of case that they're now having to delve into, that they're having to probe, and that is the alleged gang rape of a girl's avatar in a virtual game. This is according to the Daily Mail. This is not made up, this is absolutely true. They are probing into an alleged gang rape. So here's what happened. There was a girl, they're not giving any information about her, she is a minor, other than the fact that she was under 16 years old. So she was wearing a virtual reality headset, she was taking part in an immersive game, and there was an animated representation of her in that game. I'm sure many of you who have played VR understand how all of this works. Well, apparently her avatar was gang raped by several other male avatars. So, listen, 
this is crazy because this girl did not actually endure any physical harm, right? She was very safely sitting in a bedroom or a living room wearing a virtual headset. But police are now worried. They're now saying that she may have suffered trauma similar to someone who was actually raped in real life. So what does this leave police? Well, in their eyes, this is a tough one for them to handle because on one hand, uh, they worry about the psychological trauma suffered by this girl, less than 16 years old, right? Gang raped in virtual reality. I don't have any understanding of what that might be like, uh, but I imagine she was watching herself be gang raped in this game. Uh, but on the other hand, there's also the argument on police's behalf that, you know, this is something that they should handle because these male avatars, who's ever responsible for these animated versions of themselves in the metaverse, uh, could also be someone that could go on to do terrible things in the physical realm. Okay, that's one side of the argument, right? They need to worry about this girl, uh, her psychological, the psychological damage that she endured, the fact that these people in virtual reality who could have committed this crime could also do something like this in real life. I'm not sure that that argument makes total sense, but that's something that police are arguing at this point in time. However, there is also the argument uh, that they should be using their time and resources to worry about crimes that are happening in real life, which are in many instances they're saying are also in the case of rape, uh, instead of worrying about what goes on in the metaverse. Okay, this is where I'm going to bring in my opinion. Again, I do not play virtual reality. I don't have any part in AI. I maybe put on one of these headsets for a demonstrative purpose for you know, two minutes at one point in time, but I don't, I don't play video games, but I do know that you have control over whether or not you're wearing the headset. So in my opinion, if something horrible is happening to you in the metaverse, I mean, even if something scary is happening to you, like, let's say I'm being bombarded with a bunch of spiders. That's my biggest fear. I could probably take off the headset and the spiders are gone, right? I'm back in reality. I'm back in a room where nothing is happening. So my question is, if this girl was being gang raped in the metaverse by other male avatars, why doesn't she just take off the headset and stop the rape? I mean, isn't that a valid point? I don't know. I feel like that makes total sense. Uh, the other thing is, where are the parents? If your daughter is in a situation where she's interacting with boys, men in virtual reality, isn't that the same thing as back in the day when I was corresponding with guys on AIM, you know, instant message, where even though it was happening on the computer, I was still having conversations and my parents were very wary of that and they would continuously check in on me. Uh, in fact, at one point I had my parents pulling all of my conversations and, you know, coming to me and lecturing me as to why I shouldn't say certain things on the internet whether it be to my friends or to strangers, which I totally understood. I mean, back then I got upset about it, but now it makes sense and I would do the same thing for my kids. So shouldn't parents have a responsibility for knowing exactly what's happening when their kids are putting on these headsets and going into this world of virtual reality, virtual reality and interacting and corresponding with other people? I think so. I mean, if the fact remains that your kids are underneath your roof while you're home and these type of things are happening, that is on the parents and I think that there should be some type of parental control in place where if you are going to allow them to play in virtual reality, uh, they shouldn't be exposed to anything at all. I mean, there should be some type of limitations. The third point I would like to make here is that police have a job to do, yes, but those are the crimes that take place in real life. If they're going to now be responsible for what happens in the metaverse, 
I can't imagine that they would have the time or the resources to take care of the things happening in the real world and in the metaverse and to know the differentiations of how to handle things one versus the other. This is too new a field for police to know how to handle it. And not to mention, I'm not even sure that should be under their jurisdiction. Uh, it just seems like a little too much at this point in time. And uh, there needs to be some some guidelines and limitations there as well. But again, guys, I'm saying all of this out of pure opinion. I don't know truly much on the matter or how it should be handled, which is why I'm going to bring in a close friend of the program, Lexi Rigdon, an actual lawyer, to try to help me to delve into this. Plus, we have many other cases that are coming across my desk this morning as Charlie's court is in session. Uh, Lexi, good morning to you. How are you? Hold on, everyone. Hold on, everyone. I'm getting a really intense echo. Is there any way we can fix this? There we go. Let's try again, Lexi. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, we're, we're good now. Perfect. Okay, so Lexi. Yes. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. In Britain, police are actually being faced with potentially dealing with a gang rape that took place in the metaverse. This is the first probe of its kind. Police are unsure how to handle it. Me, just from an outsider's perspective, I'm not even sure that this should be something that they would handle or approach. In your opinion, with someone mm-hmm. with an actual legal background, What is your initial reaction as to how this should be handled? I think it's completely ridiculous. It sounds like an onion headline. Um, You know, what does? I mean, really, like, what's next? We're going to be prosecuting people for theft that play Grand Theft Auto. I mean, honestly, this is ridiculous. Real, real rape victims, if they could just take off the headset and be safe, you know, it's it's honestly, I think it's a commentary on our culture now that turns every offense or everything that's wrong into a trauma, my truth, that kind of thing. I'm not saying it was right. If I had a kid that was doing that, because I, you know, I don't know if these are kids or adults who are doing it, but the the kid, the child was on the headset, I'd be horrified. I mean, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that in in a virtual space, let alone in a real space. So I think that the conduct is gross and it's inappropriate, but I, I don't really see how you can criminalize it. Now I try to think of it another way, like let's say somebody that you knew you guys were in the metaverse and you were harassing each other, you know, and they were doing things that they knew would upset you based on how they're acting in the metaverse. Maybe that has some validity to it at some point, if you can actually prove who was on the other end of the metaverse. But in terms of like a crime that requires actual physical touching, give me a break, take off the headset. This is, it's, it's honestly, honestly laughable. Yeah. That's what I said. I'm like, you have control You're in virtual reality. If you take it off, you're back in reality. And what was happening to you in this virtual realm is no longer. That's why I'm like, if you're, listen, I don't even know how to like uh, put this into words because I'm like, if you're being gang raped in the metaverse, it just sounds outrageous to even say out loud. (laughs) Yes, take off the headset. You are no longer being gang raped. Um, You're good. Go back to your normal activities. Yeah, it's very weird. And also- you're right. When it comes to touching, that's completely different than, let's say, cyberbullying. Because I think there right. is cyberbullying. Is that is that now like considered an actual crime that can be prosecuted? Yeah, it can be in some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's one thing. 
Um, but right. again, that's just words. That's not something that requires, you know, physical touch and all that. So, I mean, it is very, very different. And I also, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't understand how there's any way to, to, to prosecute something like this. Like you said, you don't even know who's behind the other avatar. I mean, what if someone is playing with your avatar? Exactly. And that's the other thing is the proofs issue. Now, I don't know if you need a special, a special uh, thumbprint face to log in, but if you don't, then anybody really could be doing it. Anybody who picked up the headset. So honestly, the whole thing is completely ridiculous. And if they wanted to criminalize it, I think it would have to be more so for something like harassment or something like, like cyberbullying, for, for lack of a better term. Um, not something that carries such a significant penalty as rape. Um, and also something that requires a touching. And so I think that there are problems all over Europe. There are problems here. There are problems in Great Britain. They really need to focus on the real problems and uh, and leave legislating virtual crimes to to whoever decides it over there. And, and it's going to have to be more narrowly drawn than this. Yeah. Do you foresee, though, with I imagine this is just the first probe of its kind that has come up, there likely will be more. Do you imagine that there's going to be some type of a metaverse police force coming into fruition? I I mean, <laughs> so weird. If it's the metaverse, can't they have like a police squad that stops these types of things? I mean, I think maybe, yeah, right. Like, Stop that right now. <laughs> right. I mean, like they're, they're you're under arrest. People like I don't know. Maybe the the people who made the metaverse. I don't even really know much about the metaverse. But what I do know is that if you can stop a crime by taking off your virtual reality headset and going back to your normal daily life, then I, I can't imagine <laughs> really how it's a crime other than maybe like harassment or cyberbullying or something like that. An actual physical crime. Does that mean that if somebody gets robbed in the metaverse, they're going to be able to charge somebody with robbery? It, it, it's honestly, it's it's. It's honestly laughable. I mean, I feel bad for the girl. It's it is. Weird, but, you know, I, I don't. I, you know what? I feel bad for everybody these days. I feel bad that we have to talk about this. So it's like, uh, ridiculous. Where, where, where do you draw the line? And additionally, I mean, for example, what if you're thrown into metaverse jail? I mean, does that mean that you are, you have to go like, I'm sorry, I can't leave my house today because <laughs> I'm in know. jail. I mean, can you, you imagine, mom, I can't go to school. I'm in jail. <laughs> A lawyer in the metaverse pay bail in the metaverse? Like, do they have criminal justice reform in the metaverse? Like, I, I honestly, it's 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 wild. It's completely outrageous. Uh, okay, let's move to uh, another case that is very interesting to me. So, Jimmy Kimmel, mm -hmm. Lexi, as we know, he's a comedian. He makes his his money, you know, throwing other people under under the bus, usually all in good fun. Uh, but mm -hmm. back in March. We heard Aaron Rodgers uh, make a comment about the Epstein list that was eventually going to be released. I mean, this was at this point almost a year ago. Jimmy Kimmel, without even having been brought into the fray at this point, goes on his show, you know, going off on the tangent of, oh, Aaron Rodgers, conspiracy theorist, uh, tin foil hatters. They'd been talking about UFOs. Then he went on to talk about how Aaron Rodgers brought up the Epstein list. And at this point, Aaron Rodgers hadn't even brought up Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel brought Aaron Rodgers into the mix. So mm -hmm. something recently has happened, but, but let's take a look back at what Jimmy Kimmel said, and then we'll get into the recent events. 
<laughs> Needless to say, all this UFO talk has the tinfoil hatters going wild, including Green Bay whack packer Aaron Rodgers, who offered this hot take on the Pat McAfee show. I, I believe that this has been going on for a long time. Interesting uh, timing on everything. There's a lot of other things going on in the world. Did you hear about the Epstein client list uh, about to be released, too? What's that? What are you talking about? There's some files that have, have some names on it that might be uh, getting released pretty soon. Oh. Oh. <laughs> might be time to revisit that concussion protocol, Aaron. <laughs> Okay, so at this point, Jimmy Kimmel has no problem throwing Aaron Rodgers under the bus. Uh, but then, Lexi, it was just a couple of days ago that now that we know the Epstein list is going to be released, in fact, some of it has already, some of those documents have already been released and been made public. Now, Aaron Rodgers went back onto the Pat McAfee show and this time made it a point to bring up Jimmy Kimmel's name. Watch this. Has something to do with the Epstein list that came out? <laughs> Feels like, feels like it's supposed to be coming out soon. That's supposed to be coming out soon. Look, this guy's been waiting in his wine people. cellar. Yeah. I've been waiting in my wine He's cellar for this thing. Hiding. A lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't happen. All right. All right. Obviously, a clip from this particular program was run on Jimmy Kimmel's show uh, whenever Aaron brought up the, the list and then. Jimmy mocked him for it. Mm-hmm. Aaron has not forgotten about that, but here we are sitting right in front of that nice bottle of scotch. Mm-hmm. What do you say? I'm waiting to celebrate something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Something <laughs> He's awesome. been waiting That's for the that. one. <laughs> You've been waiting for hey, I'll tell you what. If that list comes out, I definitely will be popping, popping some sort of bottle. All right. So when he brought up Jimmy Kimmel, it wasn't to say that Jimmy Kimmel was on the list. He's just saying Jimmy Kimmel can't wait for it to come out because Jimmy Kimmel already had insinuated that Aaron Rodgers was crazy uh, for, you know, bringing up the point that this list was going to be released. Jimmy Kimmel, extremely butthurt. He went on to X immediately and tweeted out, dear asshole, and he also put two A's, you know, insinuating Aaron. Uh, For the record, I have not met, flown with, visited, or had any contact whatsoever with Epstein, nor will you find my name on any list other than the clearly phony nonsense that soft-brained wackos like yourself can't seem to distinguish from reality. Your reckless words put my family in danger. Keep it up, and we will debate the facts further in court. Okay. Uh, Lexi, Does he have any recourse for legal action, or is this just Jimmy Kimmel being ultra butthurt and way too sensitive? Butthurt is the is the best word for that, and and way too sensitive. (laughs) He's the king of dishing it out, but can't take it. I mean, he called him a tinfoil hatter and insinuating he's crazy. He makes fun of everybody, not always in a good natured way. This was clearly a joke. What Aaron Rodgers said on the show, clearly a joke. Um, wasn't really tying him to anything, just making a joke that, you know, the list is coming out. So there's no way that this would be actionable. Now, if Aaron doubled down and went back on the show and said, I know for a fact that Jimmy Kimmel is going to be on the list and he had relationships with Epstein and he's a pedophile or whatever, you know, that could certainly be defamation if he knows it's not true and he's still saying it. But this was just a joke and Jimmy just needs to get over it. He's a comedian. He needs to expect that if he's going to do that, somebody's going to fire a shot across the bow once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. It astonishes me how people like this who make their living telling jokes are the ones who are unable to take a joke. And in fact, Pat McAfee addressed it on his show yesterday, 
saying, quote, I can see exactly why Jimmy Kimmel felt the way he felt, especially with his position, which I, I have to believe was just Pat McAfee trying to smooth things over, perhaps maybe per request of ESPN because Jimmy Kimmel's show is on ABC. ESPN and ABC are both owned by Disney. Maybe there was a little bit of a, you know, let's just keep the peace here. Uh, but then Pat McAfee went on to say, but I think Aaron was just trying to talk shit. But that is Aaron and Jimmy. They've been jousting a bit in the past. So I think anyone who is a bit rational, like you said, can understand this was just meant to be a joke. Uh, but at, at what point would it turn into something that, like you said, I mean, I guess if he went on to like really talk about how Jimmy Kimmel was on the list, but, but even still, you know, at what point, how can you differentiate between with something's just a joke and something should be taken more seriously and that's when legal action would get involved? Well, that's just a kind of a fact sensitive inquiry. I think it depends on all sorts of factors, where he says it, how he says it, what show mm -hmm. he's on, how much detail he provides. Um, you know, if he wants to go on a news program and accuse Jimmy Kimmel of being associated with Epstein, that's one thing. If he wants to joke about it on the Pat McAfee show, that's another. So I think it depends. But I don't think anything that he said is actually actionable. And Jimmy pretty much in his tweet admits that, basically saying, if you go any further than this, we'll look into legal action. But there's nothing he can do. He, he really just needs to get over it. I mean, this is how he makes his living. He makes fun of everybody and makes fun of every people in sometimes not a nice way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's been a lot of craziness surrounding the NFL as well these days. Uh, we've seen fights happening left and right since the beginning of the season. Uh, but that's kind of how sporting events go, right? Emotions are high. Well, now we're actually seeing a fight having taken place, not necessarily a fight, but a confrontation taking place between a fan and the Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, who has now been fined $300,000 for his conduct following Sunday's loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, there's a video, Lexi, that's been circulating all over social media. It shows Tepper throwing his drink toward a Jaguars fan. He slams his cup, his cup down, then he storms off. Uh, a lot of people saying this is unacceptable behavior for anybody, but especially an NFL team owner. And the NFL went on to put out a statement saying, all NFL personnel are expected to conduct themselves at all times in ways that respect our fans and favorably, favorably reflect on their team in the NFL. So obviously this team owner has been fined $300,000. I don't believe at this point any legal action has been taken on the part of the fan, but do you see this being a situation in which a fan could seek legal action and whether that be in compensation or otherwise? Well, sure, only in the sense that people seem to default to suing very quickly. And if this were just a random person in the stands, probably not. I mean, he had a drink, a drink thrown on him. In, in New Jersey, where I practice, that, that would be harassment. So not pleasant, but he wasn't hurt. But when you have deep pockets and the person knows you have deep pockets, you might be you might be he might be the type of person that wants to rattle his cage. And it's just such a bad look for David Tepper. I mean, I, I looked him up. I think he's worth like 20 billion dollars. If I were worth 20 billion dollars, yeah. you couldn't tell me anything. I wouldn't care what your opinion was. I wouldn't care if you were razzing me. I wouldn't care what you were doing. Like this is just such a childish, ridiculous reaction to a random fan in the stands. In all of my years on this planet, I've never thrown a drink at anybody, let alone a stranger. So I, I do think that this was really, really inappropriate conduct, especially considering how much he has to lose and, and who knows how far this yeah. game is going to
Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, it's it's always interesting to see and hear how people conduct themselves. Uh, a team owner worth $20 billion probably uh, has better things to do with his time than go after, you know, a, a senseless fan uh, that is upset, you know, over the, the however the course of the game went. Uh, but something else that also caught my eye this morning, Lexi, uh, we don't have the video for it, but in Clark County, there was a judge. Did you see this video? There was a judge who was attacked by the defendant who was, who was there uh, for a case of battery, and he leapt over the stand and tried to attack the judge. Have you ever been in court where something insane has happened like that? When I saw this video, I was like, oh my God. I mean, I, I feel like now, yeah, I it's couldn't like now you. I feel like there's all these safeguards that have to go into place where they're gonna have to put like glass or something to prevent this from happening because I, I can't imagine this happens often, but like, have you ever seen anything so crazy? I haven't, but it did make me think that a lot of the, um, a lot of the defendants um, are not, they're not handcuffed. Like the ones that are in custody that they bring in the courtroom, at least where I practice, they are handcuffed, but like the the people that are coming in from the street, they're not. So theoretically, it wouldn't be hard to do this, but there are sheriff's officers in there and they had marshals in that courtroom. And I, the, there was a law clerk um, who was like a, basically a law clerk is like a, a, a law, a, somebody who just graduated from law school that's working for the judge that was actually trying to defend her. So I've, I've never seen such a crazy courtroom video and I always fall for them when it's like crazy courtroom drama and I always click on it and I'm always kind of underwhelmed. But this was honestly, this was horrifying. And I don't think he's going to have a slap on the wrist for this. I think he's going to get in a lot of trouble. And it could possibly also be elevated because she's a she's a judge. And there are certain classes of people who are more protected under the law from things like that. Yeah, unbelievable. When I saw that video, I mean, it, I was just watching it on Fox this morning. It was just on a loop. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is horrifying. Uh, and now you have to imagine the judge probably going to be you know, definitely on alert when sitting there, oh. like anytime someone starts to approach the bench or things like that, we're like, oh my gosh, are they gonna, you know, it's something now extra to worry about, which is unfortunate. But um, Lexi, thank you so much as always. Uh, always love talking to you and, um, you know, getting a little bit of insight into the the mind of someone who's an actual lawyer, because like you heard me say at the beginning, I've, I've always had aspirations to go into law, but I haven't never gotten there late. yet, maybe one day. Yeah. It's never, never too late. late. I mean, if Kim Kardashian can do it, then I surely can do it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. It's so good to see you and Happy New Year. Good to see you. Happy New Year. Thanks. Outkick the Morning will be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. Uh, Never too late for your dreams to come true, ladies and gentlemen. And that remains the case for all of you out there who have not quite gotten your hands on a Stanley Cup. I'm not talking about the major trophy awarded in the NHL. No, I'm talking about the water bottles that go for $20 to $60 a pop that TikTok is calling emotional support water bottles. And actually, emotional support water bottles might even be putting it lightly because people are going nuts after these water bottles. You don't believe me? Watch this. That's what you want. I'm sorry. This is so adorable, but like I remember when I was this girl's age, what does she gotta be like six, seven years old? 
I would get like really pumped. I, I mean, I can't remember what like would excite me back in the day, maybe like a game of Pretty Pretty Princess or like I would get like a makeup set. I'm not really sure what excited me at that age. But the fact that this girl is getting emotional, literally emotional, she's crying over a water bottle is very bizarre to me, but very cute. But listen, this girl on the younger age range, she's not the only one going nuts over these Stanley water bottles. I mean, let's show you some video of what's going on in stores. Uh, people are losing their minds, literally losing their minds over these water bottles. Watch this. This is in a target. They're trying to steal. You guys, this is insane. Look at this dupe, stupid. Get him, get him. Stop him, stop him, stop him, stop him. Yeah, stop him. I didn't touch him. I didn't touch him. Stop him. Stop her. Stop her. Somebody, she tried to grab my bag, you guys. Look at this is insane. Look at this. He is insane. Look at this. Yeah. Good. Wow, you guys. Look at that. Was that not insane? Be aware. Be aware. Be aware. He just stole that cup and beat up security. Oh my God. I mean, I'm used to seeing people trying to steal electronics in stores, right? Like maybe AirPods, maybe an iPhone. Uh, I don't know, something that has like a high monetary value. I've never in my life imagined that someone would go to jail, that they would be, oh, they would, they would risk being arrested over a water bottle. But that is where we are, ladies and gentlemen. That is how insane people are about these Stanley Cups. And just to give you an example over like how wild the craze for these has gotten, listen to these numbers. So in 2019, the company's revenue was $74 million. And now as a result of a TikTok trend, which I mean, you can see right here, there's shelves full of the Stanley water bottles within a couple of minutes after putting them out, being swarmed by women and children. Uh, there's left next to none left on the shelves. So $74 million, this company was valued at back in 2019. This past year in 2023, over 750 million. 74 million to four years later, 750 million. Outrageous. And we say over 750 million because that's what they were expecting the gross profit and revenue to be uh, at you know, the later part of last year. But then with the Christmas rush, as you just saw, uh, who knows how many more water bottles were stolen. And in fact, even Stanley has done a collaboration with Starbucks where they're just flying off the shelves. It's really, really crazy. But it's interesting how this all came about, this craze, because you're probably wondering how did it go from being, you know, a profit under 100 million to now, you know, probably close to 800 million, who knows, maybe even broaching a billion dollars. Well, here's what happened. This company's been around for 110 years about. And, you know, at, at one point they were really catering to a very specific audience. Uh, this was being touted towards outdoorsmen, uh, blue collar workers for their lunch boxes because they were thermoses that would keep your drink at a certain temperature, whether hot or cold. Uh, and you could use those for hours on end. So a very niche audience. Well, something happened a couple of years ago. There was a blog. It was a 
blog by a mother who put it on there and started talking about, wow, these thermoses are really amazing for mothers, for the things that they need to do throughout their day to keep their drinks hot or cold. And suddenly something happened. They got into social media, people started posting about them, and next thing you know, they completely blew up. So now, instead of being catered to these construction and blue-collar workers, Stanley was reaching a whole new audience. Mothers, women, children, and a lot of companies, when they realize that there's some type of a pivot happening in their audience, they'll ignore it. But in this case, Stanley did not ignore it, and in fact, they leaned into it as much as they possibly could. So instead of having just these stereotypical army green water bottles that they typically were manufacturing, they decided to start making pastel colors, ones with different designs. Like I said, collaborations with places like Starbucks. They really leaned into this audience and that is what's allowed them to make so much money. Uh, it's a really interesting case study in terms of business as to how it can be really effective to lean into new audiences. Because a lot of times we talk about companies, let's just say Bud Light, for example, who ignores who their main type of audience is, right? And that actually did a lot of damage to their brand. When in fact, there's other companies who when they see a different wave occurring, they lean into it and it does them a lot of good. But there's a few things that also I think just have had an effect on this. For example, the fact that people are drinking water like crazy these days. I mean, even look at that little girl in the video, for example, six years old, seven years old. What is she putting in that, in that bottle? I imagine she's not just like filling it up with a big thing of apple juice. That wouldn't make sense. Uh, so she's probably putting water in it just, it's interesting because when I was young, I don't even remember drinking water. I literally do not remember drinking water, except if it was maybe out of like a tiny cup here and there. Like I wasn't drinking 40 ounces of water throughout the day. I can guarantee you that. Um, so it's just really interesting, uh, the trends that have taken over, not just with Stanley's cup, but also the, the obsession with drinking water. Um, but it was just really interesting to me when I saw this, um, you know, this this difference in profit, uh, it's all over the internet right now. And it just occurred to me that it's really interesting. And listen, good for Stanley. They're doing something right and making all that money. I, now I need to think of something that can profit me close to a billion dollars in a year. That's my goal. So that's what I'm going to do after this show goes off the air, which actually is right now. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for being here. This was a joy. Uh, I hope you all are spreading the word because, as you know, if you're here right now, we are watching on outkick.com backslash watch. So please, if you know people that are tuning into the shows, make sure you spread the word so we can make sure they're having the ability to watch the live shows. But of course, we've got clips all the time going on YouTube after the fact and going on social media. So you make sure you're checking those out as well. And make sure you're following me on social media, not a lawyer, but still, in my opinion, very interesting. At Charlie on TV is where you can find me. So until tomorrow, everybody, uh, this this uh, concludes Charlie's court, uh, but court will be back in session another day. I can guarantee you that. And who knows, maybe by then I will have started studying for the LSAT again. Maybe by the time that, you know, the show's a few years in, I'm going to be a full blown lawyer. Anything could happen. Follow your dreams. And, and that's all I'm going to leave you with. Everyone have a fantastic Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday and then it's the weekend. Uh, so everyone have a good one and I'll see you then.